Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Leanne S., John Dulong, and Joe Sias Melendez. Listeners like you. Become a supporter of the podcast today at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.Libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. Uh, get us off to the start with a great one. Lucas, Big spring is here, and seasonal allergies are, are kicking my butt, dude. Yikes, yikes. Well, get, grab your reactant, folks. Uh, you know, send out your best wishes to Will, because apparently he's in a allergy crisis right now. Yeah, as the kids say, he's a rip. You're, you're a bee, and your apartment's one big old pollen flower. Yeah, something like that. So I'm going to have to figure this out. I've been having seasonal allergies for a long time, and uh, never seems to get any better. In fact, it seems to get worse year by year. So maybe to, maybe this year is the year I do something about it. Yeah. You're going I'm, to... I'm, you know what? I'm mad at these allergies. I'm going to do something about it. <laughs> like start a letter writing campaign or get a, a change.org petition going to outlaw pollen. Yeah. That'll, be, Hey, that'll probably do as much as it sounds like it will. That'll show them. That'll show them. Uh, Hey everybody, kids, you're on Elwood city limits time. Now, uh, this it's is sniffles McGee with Elwood city limits. That's right. This is will young sniffles. McGee is on vacation and, uh, Lucas Mancini is filling in. Ooh, I can... My airways are clear. I'm ready to record the show. Ah, show off. Thanks a lot for joining us for another deep dive into Season 2 of Arthur. Happy to have you with season us Season 3, Will. Wow, the allergies are really hitting you. Yeah, my head is I just... got what season we're on. Nor- normally, where my head is filled with Arthur knowledge, it's now just full of nonsense. <laughs> Pure nonsense. I just I just watched Annihilation the other day, and it's all as if you're in Area X. Ooh, no! You can't think straight. No spoilers. I uh, I will see that at some point this year. I should have seen it while I was in movie. theaters. It's a, it's a very odd film. All right, so today we are actually getting near the end of season three. A couple more episodes to go, and this one uh, has been one that's been a long time coming. It's uh, Arthur's Dummy Disaster. And uh, believe it or not, it's a George episode. <laughs> Finally, George has been on the sidelines, kind of in the background for a couple of ex- episodes. Do you, has he had a speaking role yet? Like, has he had lines? Um, he had that. He had that one line that I always love to remember of in the episode where Brain and Francine were like arguing. He like he was on the sidelines with the soccer team, and his line was indubitably right. And so, prior to this, that was George's only time to shine, but right now he is front and center. Everybody's favorite moose, and uh, the episode starts off here in art class, uh, and everybody's kind of making their own projects. We've kind of seen this before a little bit, uh, where the kids end up doing the same thing as everybody else. It's like when everybody wrote essays about wrestling. (laughs) Um, And... When it comes to, like, shop, there's only so many things you can make, right? And one of the easiest, apparently, is a napkin holder, which I'm not sure. I was going to ask you about this. Is that a thing? Like, is that a real thing? Uh, A board with two nails in it to hold your napkins? So, yeah. um, It's pretty simple. Like, my mother has a napkin holder, and basically you put the napkins in between where the two nails are. But what also helps is having, like, something to cover it with. Uh, that's that's how that's how my mother's works, and it's not too rusty nails. It's you know actually made out of uh, wood, I believe, and uh, painted and all that. So the 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 base theory is sound, but uh, the execution on these 
is uh, leaving something to be desired. They seem to have gotten the same bent nails, like for all, for each of them. Or it's uh, or either the nails were bent in the first place, or they were bent by the end of the the building process. Like their technique, these third graders' technique led something to desire. Uh, in terms of their shop skill. Did you ever make anything cool in like a shop or um, family studies, as it's called over here? No, I never took anything like that in uh, uh, high school or junior high. I think that's a lot more common in like the States to have a shop class, like a dedicated shop class. Um, I did like make cub cars, which I guess would be called like Boy Scout buggies, or whatever they're called in the States, where it's like a little piece of wood that you sort of sand down to be aerodynamic and then attach an axle and wheels to. That's the closest I've gotten to any of this thing. Or I think I made a birdhouse at some point, uh, but never a napkin holder, never something as useful as that. That cub car sounds pretty good. Um, my My best thing that I ever made in family studies when we had our unit on uh, sewing was that I uh, sewed a, p- a pair of pajama pants that I wore for a few years. I was really proud of those. Those ho- held up really well. Nothing better than a pair of pajama pants that you made yourself. That's right. So everybody kind of ends up disappointing, although Muffy makes a pretty nice little change purse, which is uh, the front runner until uh, George, of all people, uh, brings out of a briefcase the dummy of the episode, it's a wooden giraffe named Wally. And it turns out George, a really skilled puppeteer. Uh, first of all, the puppet looks really great. It's like a giraffe wearing several bow ties as well as like a suit. And uh, he proceeds to, you know, make some jokes and puppet wa- uh, pu- be the puppeteer for Wally. And he's really good at it. He, he's very good at being a puppeteer and throwing his voice. These jokes, however, I mean... Let me tell you, these are some King Kai-level jokes. <laughs> uh, I see somebody's been listening to All Systems Goku. <laughs> well, I, I, and I've been watching Dragon Ball Z along with them, and, and through my research, I have come to the conclusion that George would be very good friends with one King Kai. Yeah, he's v- very much telling uh, grade school joke book-level jokes. <laughs> and he's and he's got a very, uh, it's almost like a parody of a parody of like a cruise line comedian. Mm. Like a street comedian, like, hey, ah! Yeah, well, and he, Very bow tie, flamboyant suit. Yeah, just like very high pitched of just like, what did the banana say to the hippo? <laughs> Nothing. Bananas don't talk. I'm like, ugh. Uh, and I also, I also have to say, <laughs> how come you can tune a guitar, but you can't tune a fish? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I will say the animation on Wally is also really good. Uh, it's uh, impressive how they m- managed to communicate the fact that it's basically an inanimate object, but made him also very expressive. I bet that wasn't easy. I I, I noticed that too. The way they animate uh, Wally is really fun. I think they were probably excited to draw an animal uh, that wasn't the typical like one um, sort of the arthritized on two legs bipedal animals and. Two, not like Pal or later on Nemo, that's just like a regular degular animal. They, this is something a little bit more cartoony, and so they had fun with that. Uh, so everybody's really impressed by George's skills. Uh, and, then they, and then they kind of ask themselves like, hey, how come, uh, how come we never really hang out with George? He's really funny. And I think it's Arthur says something like, he's always been around, but I don't know him very well. And I feel like that could... St- I, I was like... I feel like that could stand for, like, all of the other uh, side characters that are seen but not heard. I was like, how many more are there? Like, how many more Georges in the Rough are there? There's uh, Frank. Remember Frank? Yeah, our buddy Frank. Where's his episode? Our buddy Frank. There's like What's that groundskeeper that you love so much? Oh, Gunky? Gunky. You love Gunky, dude. I mean, who doesn't love Gunky? We all love Gunky. He could have his own spinoff show. Gunky is the Fraser of Arthur. Let's and, be real and, here. And Gunky, uh, Gunky's just fun to say. It, it is. It's just like kombucha. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I agreed with what you said about the way they sort of set up George's origin story with all the kids like coming to the conclusion of like, oh yeah, George, he's always been there. We've just really never noticed him because he's a bit of a wallflower. I think it's actually, they do it in a really respectful way that kind of paints George in a positive light of this introvert with a heart of gold. He gives uh, 
the you know Muffy's kind of talking about how in preschool he gave her juice when she spilled hers, and Francine talks about how he accidentally saved uh the big game when they were playing soccer um and i think they set up george's character in a really nice way because it's realistic like george isn't cartoonishly introverted he's just kind of a quiet guy and there's definitely people out there like george but that you always notice them they're always around but you haven't really taken notice of them so i liked the way they did this me too and very well said uh you're right they didn't go uh, as cartoonish with it as he could he's just a he's just kind of he's just kind of shy and uh you know I'm sure would like to be friends with them, but just has kind of trouble communicating that, which I mean, Hey, uh, some quiet kids have that problem in elementary school. And then, uh, adults like me have problems like that in the rest of our adult lives. I, I was wondering here when Francine did her cutaway uh, about George, you know, accidentally scoring the winning goal in soccer. Um, he like, ac- he ends up accidentally stopping, uh, a would-be goal into their net uh, with one of his uh, antlers. And I was wondering, like, I wonder how much sensitivity uh, moose have in their antlers. Like, how much do they feel when they get hit there? If, if, it, if at all. I, I mean, if planet Earth is to be believed, uh, those antlers, antlers, excuse me, take some damage. Uh, sort of knocking each other about with them, so yeah. I really have no idea. Just the wear, uh, just the wear and tear of uh, everything you can get into. Yeah, a, a lot of the, a lot of the episode as it goes along is just uh, George uh, learning how to ex- learning how to express himself and his humorous side uh, through Wally, who becomes more of a fixture in uh, their school lives. We get like a. Uh, kind of extended scenes of uh, Wally just doing various shtick on the kids. Like, at one point, he makes Buster laugh so hard, milk comes out of his nose. Yeah, from, like, again, and this kind of made me think more fondly of all the dad jokes Wally was talking at the start of the episode, because this physical comedy is real bad. <laughs> uh, which, in a, in a funny way, like, I like how bad it is. Like, Wally, at some point, like, I think it's Buster challenges Wally to eat and talk at the same time, and so Wally, like, shoves his face in some pudding, and he's like, I'm eating, I'm talking, I'm eating, I'm talking! And that's what makes Buster shoot milk out of his nose. There's also a part where Wally's, like, underwater with George, and uh, Arthur and another character see him under the water, and Wally just goes glub 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 glub, and that makes them laugh under the water, uh, causing a choking hazard, I might add. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we have the, this is something I had to mention is that there's there's a part where he's playing baseball with Wally still on one hand, and Wally has his own baseball uniform. <laughs> That's dedication to craft, dude. I mean, like, uh, who knows? George could be the next. Uh, uh, Carrot Top, or what's <laughs> what's what's that horrible comedian's name? Oh uh, gosh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham. That's it. Yeah, cool. Like, if only, if only Wally was more racist. <laughs> oh, ugh, no, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I was I was surprised that, that Wally can talk underwater somehow. But uh, you know, I guess George is just that good. He's got that hidden talent. Uh, so and yeah, he catches like the winning uh, or pitch or whatever it is i don't i don't know baseball terribly well <laughs> uh <laughs> he wins the baseball game thanks to wally um and everybody kind of gets dummy fever a little bit they become almost like woogles because uh and, and also we get a little bit of a line here uh when you know he's describing how as at, wally is saying like you just like like just get an object to put a face on it anything can be funny and one of the kids has a has a moose puppet and she's like, how's this? And uh, Wally says, no, moose aren't funny. Rabbits are funny. Aardvarks are funny. Moose are not funny. So a little bit of very... self, self-deprecation self on uh, George's part through Wally. And this line sure, like, very much sums up like George's mindset here in the episode. I thought this was like a really well-done part where they really don't hit you over the head with, oh, like, obviously... George is using Wally as like a coping mechanism to help him be more social. And he kind of, he sort of has a bad opinion of himself. He considers himself not funny, uh, not outgoing, all these things. And he's sort of living vicariously through Wally. But it's it's actually a pretty dark line just to hear Wally say, of course, it's George's voice saying it, that moose are not funny. So matter of factly, um, and I like that they don't linger on it. They just kind of move on. But it's, it's a really interesting choice. And I, I like that the way they spell it out sort of. 
Um, yeah, so uh, everybody ends up, uh, like, side characters and all end up getting various dummies with just, like, or puppets painted with, like, faces on them and stuff. Uh, the one we focus on for a little bit, and if you ask me a little bit too long, is Arthur's puppet, which he calls Artie. And I was kind of confused because, so what it is, it's Arthur with a stuffed bear that has, like, it, it, it's well-loved, you might say, because there's a lot of, like, uh, stuffing that's kind of, like, leaking out of it. So is Artie supposed to be Stanley, or is it a different bear? So I had forgotten that Stanley's name was Stanley. Um, so I have no idea. Similar to Arthur, it would make sense if it was there was an Artie and a Stanley, because I had two bears that looked exactly the same, except one had a... a well, actually, I had a multitude of bears that all looked exactly the same. Some of them were different sizes. I think I've talked about this on the show before, how they were all named after Guy Lafleur, the hockey player. And so there was Big Guy, Middle Guy, Little Guy, and then there was Other Guy, which was Middle Guy, but he had a, a, a ribbon instead of not having a ribbon. I do remember this because we named a whole episode after it. Check out our past, epi- oh our past episode called Double Guy. Double Guy, right, uh, Double Guy. Um, so uh, maybe this Artie, this whole Artie character is like a Guy scenario where – he is the the other gi to Stanley's gi. Right. It could very well be. I'm not sure. Nobody nobody's as good at ventriloquism as George is. Nobody has like as good of a puppet. Nobody uh, nobody's has as good a voice as him. Like Muffy. Like Muffy's one just has her. Like it's like a Teddy Ruxpin almost, where it's like she has a tape in the back that just plays her voice. Which I thought was so perfect. Like, at first, people think DW's actually, not DW, Muffy's actually throwing her voice, and she goes, no, it's a recording. Like, of course, Muffy would, and also, it's a doll of her, like, assuming it's custom-made, because it's just a little Muffy. All too perfect that Muffy would have a custom-made doll of herself. So, like I kind of said before, uh, the real meat of this episode, like, the real good stuff, kind of stops here for a little bit, because we have to, like see everybody else's puppets and we especially have to spend time with uh arthur as Artie because he's kind of bringing him up in every aspect of his life and it's beginning to annoy everybody and uh there's a great part where like he's using Artie to pet pal and he also has a voice for him it's basically arthur's voice but if he was like a witch or if he like smoked a pack a day He's just like, you like what I pet you, don't you, boy? It's, it's, it's like if Arthur was doing an impression of Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, uh, I actually really enjoyed, like, there's, we don't get as much, we get mostly Arthur's basically ventriloquism put on, uh, but we get a little bit of everyone else's in this quick shot of, like, everybody's homemade, basically, dummies. And I liked hearing everybody kind of sort of put on a ventriloquism voice. Like, everybody sort of has a, a different voice they use. Uh, and I got a kick out of Arthur's. It It is a little bit annoying, uh, but I don't know why. I just kind of found it. it. You know what it reminds me of, Will? We talked about this as well before as well. Um, what's that Adam Sandler movie called, Will, where it's it's the animated one and oh. Adam Sandler does oh, all, the, all uh, the voices? Eight, eight Crazy Nights. And that character you really like that's like <laughs> the worst character in cinematic history. You mean Whitey? Uh, you mean Whitey? Yeah, can you do the Whitey voice real quick for me? Sure. Listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Mr. Sandler. We get to go and see Christmas, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's basically Arthur doing the Whitey voice. That's a joy protective for your tushy. (laughs) Don't... By the way, if we're <laughs> talking about this movie makes it seem funny or worth watching, you are 100% wrong. We are uh, mischaracterizing it. It is uh, an abomination. It is very bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like I, I – uh, that's one of my more shameful laughs of my life. Like something's wrong with me that I enjoy that <laughs> voice, but that movie is no good. No good. Uh, don't find out for yourself. Uh, there's a great part where, again, uh, Artie is uh, like – petting pal and he just has this look on his face this thousand yard stare of like you can tell he's barely containing like rage or annoyance but he's just kind of he's just kind of sitting there and not enjoying it i thought that was really funny uh i also gotta say for uh arthur's voice actor the arty voice sounded like it would probably hurt a little bit to record line after line 
<laughs> Especially like Arthur goes off on tangents. Like his dad puts him in the door and he's like, hey, who turned out the lights? Oh my gosh, that part killed me. Like, just when Arthur's dad thinks he solved the arty problem at the dinner table, Arthur just commits to the bit, and he's like, "Oh, it's dark in here." Uh, and then, and then that that whole saga kind of ends with Pal uh, stealing Artie from Arthur in the middle of the night and burying him. But it, but it kind of reaches a natural conclusion of like I don't know some indeterminate amount of time later, everybody kind of gets tired of puppets, and uh, you know the basically the fad just ends, and for one reason or another. But the only one who doesn't want to let it go necessarily is George. He's still dragging Wally around, and this time Wally is looking pretty like he's looking pretty worse for wear, like. He's, uh, his suit is all tattered. His neck is, like, barely hanging on on its strings. He keeps, like, losing limbs. It's kind of weird. And everybody is, uh, really over the whole Wally thing. They're, they're bored of his gags, uh, which is weird. I found it a little odd that they got tired of him because his jokes never got better or worse. It's just that, I, I guess, over time, they, it just, they just kind of hit less and less. I think that's the issue. It's it's the repetition. You know, the shtick got old. It didn't change in quality. It was just like, oh, here comes Wally. Right. Our, Buster offers some bizarre advice to George. He goes, uh, maybe you should stop playing for with Wally for a while, as if like that will let Wally get better. <laughs> I, it may it might have just been Buster playing third dimensional chess to try and get Wally to not be around anymore because it was bugging him. But the way he phrased it was like, "Oh yeah, if you stop playing with Wally, his health will return." Which, well, well, that's just not how things work. No, p- perhaps it's just absence makes the heart grow fonder because Buster seemed to be Wally's biggest fan. Like he was. That's true. He- Buster was getting gut busting at Wally. Absolutely. So yeah, George keeps kind of insisting on keeping Wally everywhere, even though. Everybody's getting pretty annoyed with him. And it comes to a head when he kind of uh, makes a joke in Ratburn's class. He, like, answers a question wrong and and then on purpose. And then he says, well, what would you expect? I'm a dummy. And everybody's, like, horrified. And Arthur has this great line where he says, it's like, is he crazy? Ratburn's going to destroy him. Which, which, which he means the puppet, but I... <laughs> I just like the idea of like, like rapper is gonna destroy George. Oh my god! Like he's, I, like he's I love this scene. This this scene is so great because it's like the classic scene of like a character that you don't expect like stands up to an authority figure, like a well established authority figure, and the, like the tense, like you could hear a pin drop. Like everybody is so shocked, and the silence is just palpable. It's great. Uh, yeah, so Ratburn sees him after class and forbids George from having uh, Wally in class anymore. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be fair, George makes a pretty good point as Wally, where he's just like, uh, he, where, like, Mr. Ratburn, like, he's like, he's one to talk. He's got about a hundred marionettes. I'm surprised that Mr. Ratburn, like, didn't, uh, like, wasn't impressed by Wally of just like, wow, what craftsmanship. For a second there, I almost thought that's where this was going because all the kids are like, oh, finally, we got rid of Wally. And I was like, oh, is the twist here, the swerve here going to be that Mr. Rapper is like, oh, I love Wally. I'm so proud of George. But no, he did the right teacher thing and said Wally was banned from class. And that just means George will go all the harder with Wally during lunch and after hours. That's right. Speaking of after hours, that's where he's going to be bringing Wally. Uh, They have uh, Fern scheduled a poetry reading. So we see poetry come up again outside of that one episode so uh, that was actually that was actually pretty cool i like that uh after um the poetry episode they are still engaging with fern and uh, still writing poems also i think the most unrealistic thing in all of arthur is the consistently large crowds uh fern's (laughs) able to gather for large poetry amateur poetry where you're reading yeah the stars are out at fern's poetry reading at the library in fact george is like he's de- he's dressed to the nines. He and Wally have matching suits. Uh, but as he's getting ready to read his poem, uh, Wally is like falling apart. Just like all of his pieces are coming coming off, and it's all it's all unraveling. And he rushes out the door, and Arthur kind of sees him, uh, and he and he brushes him off real quick. But uh, uh, he and Arthur, jo- uh, George and Arthur, have a bit of a heart to heart talk. At least uh, at least through Wally. Uh, you know, he's 
upset that it'll take forever to fix him. And then Arthur Arthur is positing that, well, they really liked getting to know George, not Wally. But then George counters by saying that, well, before Wally, nobody noticed George. He was just uh, getting his getting his uh, antlers caught in his locker or knocking coats off the rack. He just, I, I believe he calls himself the dumb, goofy kid with the big horns. And you know what? I felt bad because I know this scene is supposed to make us sympathetic to George, but this him getting his antlers caught in the uh, locker was a little bit funny. I I felt bad, especially considering I was I didn't know what kind of nerve ending those antlers have. I just that looks real. <laughs> that looks very annoying. <laughs> You're dedicating a lot of thought to like what is what is this whole antler situation like? Like, well, I, I want to know the exact uh, textures and toads to antlers. Well, I just wanted to I wanted to have sympathy for the kid, and I was like, well, that's got to be annoying and maybe even hurt a little bit. So, I mean, it can't be pleasant if a part of your body is stuck in a locker, even if it's not made of skin. Let alone your whole body. Um, but I wouldn't know. Um, this does seem like a common th- trope in Arthur now at this point, where Arthur walks out of a building to help someone who's like isolated and at their lowest moment. I can't remember, or was it someone else helping Arthur? I feel like this is exact scene has played out before us at least four times. Where like, especially at the school, like they're on the school steps. It's one character and Arthur, and they're sort of, like, pouring their heart out, and it's what inspires them to go back in there. It, Do you know what I'm talking about? It sure has, and that's a good point. I wasn't thinking about that at the time. Uh, Arthur did this with Buster in the episode where Binky stole his joke, and way back in Season 1, Arthur came out to console Binky uh, during the uh, during the recital with Sue Ellen. Maybe that's why I wasn't able to get as into this sort of George confrontation is one, it's a little bit predictable, and two, it's just like, oh, I've seen this device used a couple times. But hey, Arthur's a good guy. He would want to go outside and help someone who was down on their luck. Yeah, and after all, it's his show, so he's got to go over. It's like uh, it's like Joey Janela's spring break. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, so he ends, he ends up convincing George to come back in without Wally and read his poem. What's the worst that could happen? So George, uh, quiet, like, meekly... Uh, reads from his poem like he it, you know he's still very nervous but he manages to do it it's a it's a nice little poem it doesn't take very long and uh, every, is it his original poem or I, is it like i know i know i believe it's i believe it's his original one what's it called bowl of fruit uh fruit yeah bowl? yeah fruit bowl or bowl of fruit something like that okay you keep talking i gotta figure this out okay uh and everybody likes it in fact prunella calls it deep and then finally this is actually the end of the episode here as everybody is glad that George has given up Wally for good and that they're excited to hang out with him. Uh, they're at a park eating lunch and uh, some kids are playing nearby, including DW. Uh, George walks into the into frame with Wally, but he actually goes over to entertain the kids uh, with, uh, with Wally for a little bit. And then he comes back to the table and, and he admits that he gave Wally away to a little kid who looked kind of shy but it turns out that the kid he gave it to was DW. And DW inherits uh, yet another uh, thing we may never see again. Uh, I wrote here, see you never, Wally, because uh, uh, DW now has him. I forget what he, I think he, she calls him Dolly. And uh, This is a very uh, the Simpsons-esque situation of like, oh no, DW has a Wally, how annoying. And then it's like everything's back in its place by next week. Um, I'll also say this, Will. Upon further research, there are many, many more poems about bowls of fruit than I had expected. Oh, really? There are at least six different ones, and none of them are the one that George read. Well, I'm going to go ahead and claim that as original, unless uh, unless told otherwise. Uh, no, I, I think it's very funny that Pernella thought it was deep. <laughs> said, in her, said in her own uh, rather pretentious way, so... Yeah, it's as if like if if like Lil Pump performed an acapella performance of uh you know flex like ooh or Gucci Gang, I could see Purnell being like, wow, he's he's a regular auteur. If I was able to edit video, I would totally just take the uh, the scene of George reading the <laughs> George reading the poem and just dub over Gucci Gang. Oh, just add Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. <laughs> That's good. 
Someone do that. Some of the Elwood City fans out there. Yeah, please. Please do that. I would love to see it. And then and then leave Prudella going, oh, deep. Deep. At the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now, a word from us kids. And now, a word from us kids. So much like George and the kids in the episode, or at least similar, the kids are making what they call ventriloquist dummies, but they're just kind of pa- paintings of dummies. Yeah, it'd be pretty difficult for them to actually uh, have the same woodshop skills as George did and construct actual working dummies. So they basically put a big painting up in front of them. And a lot of the kids do a really good job. Uh, for as young as they are, there's some really, really creative artists in this class. Um, better pictures than I would have been able to draw at that age. Uh, and some of the dummies did make me laugh. One kid just draws Mario, which is very funny. <laughs> yeah, just... it's like... I was like, hmm, Mario looks a little familiar. <laughs> like he's yeah. like he's like dollar store Mario, where he's Mario, but there's a few things that are just a little off. So you're like, ah, and he's like, Mario's athletic. It's like who like, do I know with that name that also has a red hat with an M that's also athletic? Although the colors, to your theory, the colors are changed just enough so that you don't get suspicious. Mm-hmm. My other favorite the- one. Uh, was Mr. Uh, and I've, I have to write this down phonetically because I don't quite remember how the proper pronunciation goes, but Mr. Uh, Gazugelheimer? Mr. Gazugelheimer, yeah. Yes, uh, Mr. Gazugelheimer, who has uh, constant contests on how to properly pronounce his name, which the really funny bit about this was, I think this kid was thinking, oh my goodness, Mr. Gazugelheimer, what a crazy name. No one's going to be able to pronounce it properly. <laughs> Smash cut to four kids getting it right their first try, which was yeah. very funny. And he was like, "Huh, people are getting really good at guessing my name." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, I guess that bit. I guess that bit didn't work." <laughs> uh, there, were, uh, there was one of them. I can't remember which one, but uh, that actually had a joke that kind of made me laugh. Uh, he's, it was just like my ventriloquist dummy like likes to tell jokes, and he's like, "Why did the why did the turkey cross the road? Because he wasn't a chicken." I'm like. That's kind of clever. You're like, that's hmm. not bad. That's probably that's probably like Wally's A material. <laughs> He's a ghostwriter for Wally. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, overall, like a word from us kids has been getting more and more noteworthy. I feel like these last few episodes. Like I really enjoyed the last, uh, the one last week where they were in the the room trying to guess the noises, and this one was fun as well. Yeah, this one was pretty good. It looked like a really fun project to do. Like I would have really liked to have done this in school myself. That one guy did a two-scale bungee jumper where he stuck his legs out and it looked like it matched the dummy's body. Uh, that was which that was really cool. Yeah, that was good for that kid. And now back to Arthur. And okay, now we move on to something a little bit different. Uh, the next story is Francine and the feline. Uh, we're talking about animals. I mean, no, uh, no kidding. Straight out, straight of the jump on this one. Uh, Francine kind of talking about the types of animals that everybody would like to own, uh, whether real or imaginary. Uh, so Francine says that she would like to uh, own a Komodo dragon. And, and if that the, couldn't fit a narwhal. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I think I think when I was a kid, this was the first time I'd ever heard of a narwhal. They're endangered, aren't they? I feel like yes, um, I but I couldn't say for sure. If not, just because you don't hear about narwhals that often. No, you certainly don't. Uh, There's other animals featured, including, like, Buster would want a pterodactyl. Uh, Binky uh, would like to have an amoeba, because he hears they're very friendly. Uh, Arthur goes on about dogs a lot, and Brain at least has a visual cameo with his virtual hamster. How about how about that? That brought me back a little bit because oh I, I mean this 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 was something, and I'm I'm sure it still exists in some form uh, today with the uh, with the younger set. But back in my back and oh God back in my day, uh, it was of course virtual hamsters. Tamagotchis were the big one. Uh, I was in a Toys R Us not but 14 days ago, uh-huh. and there was a Tamagotchi for I don't remember exactly how much money it was, but it was too much. I can't imagine how uh, sophisticated Tamagotchis have gotten uh, since I last paid attention to them 20 years ago. (laughs) 
Uh, there were also like Digimon variants of Tamagotchi, which I had one of those. I also had the uh, the virtual Pikachu pet that you could uh, strap to your belt. And what was uh, the one? What was the one where you would scan barcodes and it would give you a different randomly generated creature? Oh, oh, that sounds familiar, but I don't know what it is. And you'd that... like go to the grocery store and just like go ham. Oh, like actual barcodes? Yeah, you'd have to scan like actual like UPC barcodes, and it would ran- it would generate a monster depending on the barcode. It was similar to how Monster Rancher on the PlayStation I, One. I, I was going to say that, yeah. Uh, would de- I, generate monsters from your CDs. I don't know. That sounds f- familiar, but I can't. I can't place it, so that's gonna that's gonna drive me nuts. Uh, kids, let us know if you know what that one is. So yeah. Um, it kind of took me down memory lane a little bit with the virtual hamster and everybody's arguing about over like what the best animal is. Uh, we also get, I uh, love again, love the fake movie titles in Arthur. Uh, Buster is riding his pterodactyl to see carpet of doom two. the sequel, the sequel to the critically acclaimed carpet of doom. Did they mention carpet of doom before as well? They must've, right? There may, it may have been like a a visual reference of like, it could have been on a marquee. I love that. I, I This can't be the first time I've heard of Carpet of Doom. Speaking of Carpet of Doom, we get a little bit of a horror movie cam to start off the episode uh, following Oliver Frensky down at the dump. Uh, something is spying on him as he's eating his uh, lunch. Uh, by the way, love how Oliver eats his lunch while sitting on a fridge. I really liked how um, the perspective with which this is shot, it's the thing that's about to eat the... Uh, the th- it's from... The, I guess, unidentified creature that's about to eat his lunch's perspective, which I thought was really cool. And they even ha- it even has the eyes blinking and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very much inspired, especially since, like, I watched the original Friday the 13th recently. And, like, man, a lot of horror movies trade big on those uh, POV cams. So that's – I think they got it pretty much spot on. Uh, and, of course, you could tell – you could tell pretty much immediately – uh, of course, from the title and from the fact that it shows a cat's face as it goes, uh, skips forward in time, uh, that Oliver Frensky has brought home a junkyard cat uh, for them to have, which uh, hopefully he discussed with his wife before doing so. And uh, the the cat goes largely unnamed for half the episode, so we don't really have a name for it just yet, but it is, uh, it's pretty cute looking. It's... Uh, Kind of small. It's uh, kind of black on the top and white on the bottom. Uh, yeah, it's like a, I, I'm not too familiar with cat types besides like me, me neither. Uh, a, a Maine Coon or a or a Tabby or I, I really don't know my way around. It's certainly not a Siamese cat. Uh, I'm sure one of our more informed listeners can let us know what type of cat this unnamed kitty is. Uh, but yeah, good point about just bringing a cat from a junkyard home. That's like thousands of dollars worth of shots. I want to point that out. Yes. Um, so a pretty, especially for people living in an apartment like Francine's family, it's a pretty big change to the lifestyle, but whatever. It's a, it's a kid's show. I mean, uh, and of course I'm, I, I'm not much of an animal person, but I am a believer in the adopt don't shop method. Uh, that's true. Good on them for adopting. Yeah, um, but but you got to know what you're getting into, which is exactly. you know why you adopt through the uh, the SPCA. It's it's episodes like these that give kids expectations of you could just bring a cat home. <laughs> That's very true, and uh, uh, a common lie that uh, TV told us when we were little. Um, so uh, Francine and Catherine both very excited. Catherine really into the idea of having a cat. And immediately just starts like baby talking it, and it was here that I immediately knew that Catherine would have an Instagram for her pet. Oh if my this goodness! Were made yes. now. For for sure, Catherine and, would have an Insta, a pretty popular Instagram. Regardless, I could tell like yeah, would find Catherine yeah. very quote unquote aesthetic, but um, <laughs> uh, she would definitely be the type to have an Instagram for a cat. Uh, and she'd probably have one of the ones where she like speaks in character for it. I have, a fr- I, have, I have a friend. Oh my goodness gracious! I have a friend who does that for his dog, and that dog is more popular than uh, uh, you or I will ever be. I uh, I recently uh, become a fan of a YouTube video in, entitled uh, "Maine Coon Cat Won't Leave His Bush." 
and it involves a Maine Coon cat that's in a, a shrub or like a bush, like a hedge, a trimmed hedge, and there's an Irish man trying to coax him out. And he says, you won't come out your bush? And then the cat goes, wah, 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 like a person. Um, and so that's a lot of fun. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, the cat really doesn't want to get out of the bush and okay. it talks like a person when the Irish gentleman tries to take him out of the bush. Okay. I got it. Uh, I'll check that out later. Uh, so it's right up the, it's right up there with dog eats broccoli, uh, <laughs> which is I... another favorite of mine. Uh, and pig eating cookie under blanket. <laughs> I think I've seen both of those. Um, but speaking of viral animal videos, I mean, this this leads me to a point where so the next day, like Francine is talking with Brain Buster and Arthur about oh, I how I loved this part. I love this part. You loved this? Oh, okay. Um, is talking about how she got a cat, and then her immediate reaction is, "Ew, gross! You got a cat?" <laughs> and my immediate reaction to this was, first of all, confusion because uh, it. It's, all of the boys reject the idea of cats because they're like cutesy. And I was trying to remember, did kids slash boys ever hate cats this much because of how they were gendered? So, no. Uh, I would say I, so I maybe I was I brought too much of the real world into my interpretation of this. Because uh-huh. the first thing you're going to hear on the internet if you mention that you have an affinity for either a dog or a cat is all the negatives of your side and all the positives of the other side. Dogs versus cats is one of those age-old questions like, is a hot dog a sandwich? Or if a dog wore pants, which way would he wear them? Um, that has concerned the internet for eons. You're all sort of different opinions when it comes to what's better, dogs or cats. As someone who's uh, been working at a cafe recently, I'll tell you this much. When you do a tip war, when you have like two tip jars and uh, you put a picture of a dog and a picture of a cat on each, and it's like, okay, tip whichever jar you like more, um, it's always neck in neck. People are very, very opinionated when it comes to what's better, dogs versus cats. They made a whole movie about it, Will. Yeah, they, I think they made a couple. It just se- it just seems like a really silly divide, but then again, they are kids, so... You know, that's what childhood is, oh, a bunch of silly Oh, trust designs. me, adults adults do it too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I was also thinking, like, this episode could only have been made before the dawn of, you know, lolcats, cat memes, uh, cat videos, because it seems like cats have never been more popular. And to, like, mm. be so outwardly anti-cat is, like, almost unthinkable to me. And, and I mean, you don't have to, like, like cats or anything like that, but usually the the strength of the pro cat party <laughs> is, uh, is, is the, the strength of their voices is very loud. Indeed. You don't have to like cats. You just have to respect the social media hustle, respect the hustle. So, yeah, I thought that whole thing was weird of like how they were grossed out by cats, but, uh, maybe I just don't get it. Friends. So Catherine has basically adopted the cat for its own and she gives it like this really frilly makeover. It, it like, like dresses it in little clothing, gives it like a, a froofy little cat bed and the cat doesn't seem to especially like it. And Francine says, uh, that the cat has been ickyfied and that you're ruining its catitude. In fact, uh, Catherine calls the cat rose petal. So I don't know what's worse. The outfit that Catherine puts the cat in or Francine, Francine using the words ickyfied and catitude. It's pretty neck and neck. Yeah, I don't know if I can make a value judgment there. They're both pretty bad, but at least Francine is eight, so you know I'd, I'd expect that out of her. Catherine, I think, uh, a little too old for this. And in fact, I'll say right here, I don't like dressing animals in clothes. Like that—that's never been a big thing for me. But then again, I'm not an animal lover, so take my opinion as far as you want to. Cat seems to have a more of an affinity for Francine uh, because it ends up uh, sleeping on top of her. And Catherine accuses Francine of trying to steal her, steal the cat's affections. And uh, gotta say, as someone who has had a cat sleep on top of him, not that bad. Uh, I would be worried I'd squish it. Yeah, uh, yeah. That would be my main concern, not for my safety, but for the cat's. Like I was sleep, uh, I was I was sleeping on a couch, and uh, the and my friend's cat just kind of ended up perching on me which w- woke me up a couple of times but then i eventually fell asleep and then i woke up and then he was asleep in my lap and i'm like oh that's 
that's kind of nice. I guess this is as good a time as any to let you know that in my personal life, we've been kind of thinking about getting a cat over here at Casa de Mancini. Um, we still have to, you know, figure out some things about like, is it allowed in the building and all that stuff? But uh, I'm, I'm someone who has grown to like cats later on in life. I've always been a hard team dog person, but it wouldn't be responsible to get a dog in this little apartment. Uh, but this episode has provided some value, valuable um, possible cat names. You know, I got to keep Rose Petal in the back of my mind. Um, there's a name later on in the episode that might be of use. Uh, the only other thing I could think of was Normal from the Garfield comics, and I think it's just because I like saying the word Normal out loud. Yeah, Normal's pretty good. Um, and Francine and the cat end up really uh, bonding after this. Like, they end up pretty much playing together, and the cat seems to be uh, a lot more playful and rambunctious than... Uh, kind of serene and dignified like Catherine wants it to be. <laughs> and uh, I like how uh, Francine and the cat's relationship grows pretty naturally. Like they just have fun with each other and uh, uh, eventually they become pretty good friends. Um, I loved he, when Rose Petal yeah. attacks the bread like she's a bodega cat and like the, the loaf, ignoring the food, grabbing the loaf of bread and the way like it pulls it down. That's a viral video right there. Uh now, not not to get on your case about this, Lucas, but and of course, with a name like Rose Petal, I ca- I kept having to mentally correct oh, myself. Oh my goodness! But how the, could I make such a big mistake? I, I I apologize, Will. Already, I know what you're gonna say. But the uh, the cat is actually a male. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I I, I, I can understand your confusion. Uh, picking up on kind of the thread from the last time Francine was hanging out with the guys, like we really get a look at like Arthur's anti-cat leanings. Oh, and see, this is when Arthur, I, I liked the earlier confrontation. Cause it reminded me of like people being cats versus dogs on the internet. Arthur at this point starts to really get on my nerves. Cause it's totally irrational. And it just gets down to like the, the way he's ignoring facts is downright annoying. He's, he's like prejudiced in a real way against cats. And for no discernible reason, other than the fact that he likes dogs better like at one point, it's uh, Francine's like Francine says, "You don't know, you don't know my cat," and uh, and Arthur says, "I don't need to know a cat," and he says, and he explicitly says, "It's stupid. All cats are stupid." Which I did kind of like that line, just because just the audacity of it made me laugh. Um, but I almost thought they were going to show a flashback of like Arthur being attacked by a cat as a child, because they really don't earn his prejudice against cats. No, they just kind of needed, like, a, a an antagonist in this episode, and Arthur just comes across like a jerk. Like, he, like every time somebody talks about cats, he's just like, can we please stop talking about cats? And <laughs> it's just like, dude, we know, we know people who are cats. Which, of course, makes it extra weird. Uh, but, yeah, it just seemed wildly, not, not wildly, but just seemed out of character for Arthur to be this stringent, and uh, anti cat. Uh, in fact, he has a he has like a nightmare about it, where like Francine's home is overrun by cats, and like his whole mistrust and hatred of cats is based on like an urban legend he heard once about how a cat bit a kid's ear off, even though pretty much everybody he talks to says that's not true. Like that didn't happen. Was Coco the killer cat before this or after it? What do you mean? I don't, I don't know who's Coco. Uh, there was a nas- national news story where uh, a cat attacked a family, like a house cat, and the guy like locked his whole family in a closet um, to avoid like his killer cat. And then he like wrote a book about it, and he was on like late night shows about like, oh, I survived my killer cat. That that was the most mainstream like the phrase "killer cat" is like that's where I first heard it was from the Coco the Killer Cat media tour. So uh, when I heard that phrase in this episode, get that killer cat away from me, I think Arthur says it. Uh, that's what I first thought of. And I was like, oh, was this – I remember Coco the Killer Cat being on Leno. So was like this the 90s? Like was that before this? Um, maybe, the- maybe that is partly the inspiration to the urban legend of the cat biting off the kid's ear. I've never heard of that before. That's uh, – uh, I couldn't tell you. Um. So Francine brings the cat around to meet Pal, 
and uh, she she names the cat Nemo. So uh, her cat's name is Nemo. We can finally refer to it by its proper name. There we uh, go, Nemo. Arthur is skeptical, and uh, like again, he's being very um, flagrantly anti-cat. He's just like, you know, he says stuff like, "Pal doesn't need any cats for friends," and uh, it, and uh, Nemo and Pal have a little chase around the house. Uh, but Francine insists that they're just playing. And uh, he does, in fact, say, your cat is trying to kill Pal, <laughs> which is uh, kind of... Again, uh, maybe it's just uh, something with me personally, but people misjudging animal behavior is like a pet peeve of mine. Uh, maybe it's because I've experienced a lot walking my own dog and having mis- people grossly misread the situation and be like, oh, you know, get control of your dog. He's out of control. When anybody who has a dog would know that he's just playing or... They're obviously misreading the situation. So to me, even these cartoon animals, I'm like, oh, they're playing. And to see uh, Arthur overreact to that point, it's like, oh, this, he's bugging me so much. We've established before how much Arthur loves Pal, but like he's really overprotective of him to the point that uh, Pal, as you can kind of tell, like really enjoyed playing with Nemo and doesn't like being kept away from from him because Arthur misread the situation. I mean, as somebody who doesn't know a lot about pets, I would definitely, I definitely have misread a lot, a lot of animal intentions, uh, in my lifetime. I just, I just straight up don't know a lot. Um, also, so pal likes Nemo at this point, but, and I might be getting, putting the cart before the horse here, but I know we're going to, ch- Nemo is not like uh, spanky or even Wally or Toady, or the numerous amount of side characters that are sort of introduced and then forgotten. Nemo does indeed come back. Um, yeah. But he's sort of more of an antagonist to Pal later on, correct? That's right. It's going to be weird to compare and contrast uh, Nemo's appearances later on in the show, especially when he starts talking uh, to what we're seeing now, which is Nemo. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? A talking cat? I'm a talking cat. Uh, yeah, no, we'll get there. We did. We do get a nice bit where uh, uh, Francine kind of claps back at Arthur. Uh, earlier in the episode, uh, Pal steals something from DW and Arthur, uh, like a cracker or something. And Arthur chalks up to him being smart because he's teaching her not to leave her food lying around. Uh, Francine brings Nemo to school and Nemo eats Arthur's sandwich. And she's, she's like, maybe she's teaching you not to leave your food around. I was like, ooh. Got him. <laughs> Though it is crazy how that cat eats that sandwich in one gulp. For sure. That cat is hungry. So, of course, this gives Arthur even more reason not to like Nemo. Uh, I believe at one point in their first encounter, Arthur says not to bring Nemo over anymore. Uh, so I, I'm definitely not on Arthur's side here. But Francine, with a huge overstepping of boundaries at this point, uh, after Arthur has said, don't bring the cat around anymore, uh, Francine answers with Nemo on his leash, and she says, you obviously didn't mean what you said about not bringing Nemo, to which I was like, nope, you don't get to say that. That That's is true. not for you to say. And That, that is that, a very good point. That bugged, that bugged me like crazy. Ugh, they're both bugging me at this point. I feel like the episode loses a little bit of steam here uh, just because... It's like who am I supposed to who am I supposed to like in this episode besides Pal and Nemo themselves? I think that's the real answer. I think that's the uh, that that's that's the true ending right there. Is that Arthur and Francine? Forget about them. Pal and Nemo are the people you should like, and I agree. Uh, I think Nemo's pretty cool, and Pal's one of my favorite characters. So uh, I'm Team Pal all the way. If only they had their own episode where they talk. Oh, way. Well, we'll get to, we'll get to know them. We'll get to know them even more. A cat talking that would never happen. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, to to your point, Lucas, uh, they're uh, you know, Pal and Nemo are kind of playing again, and Arthur like really banishes her, uh, Nemo and Francine from his house. And he Francine describes kinda- it as something like something in a nature special. And he's telling this to his parents, and uh, uh, Dad Reed like tells him uh, maybe I think Nemo was just playing. That's how animals play. And Arthur's like, j- just again, basically refutes the facts. And it's very, especially in the world we live in now, it's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
Uh, so by chance, Arthur and Francine meet with their pets on the street, and they both wiggle out of their harnesses and uh, just chase each other around in fun. They chase each other into the garage. Dad is bringing out a uh, Statue of Liberty made out of what seems to be fruits and vegetables, and I want to know more about that. I always want to know more about, like, Arthur's dad's cooking. Um, it's little details like that that always make this show so special. Like, whenever they have a chance to add some depth to the world to make the world seem a little bit more lived in and larger and little details that make you curious about other things that are going on without explicitly spelling them out, it always adds life to the Arthur universe. So Dad's cooking is a part of that where it's like, what's what's Papa Reed cooking up next? Uh, Arthur runs into Dad's kitchen to chase them both, and we get this weird kind of mystery shot of like it's uh, what happened is arthur okay and then uh they both francine and dad come in and uh he actually uh takes a liking to nemo like nemo uh licks his ear a little bit and francine's like oh no did he bite it and he's like no it tickles so he seems to have maybe not gotten over his prejudice but at least cooled on it a little bit but the episode does end with the francine and arthur uh bickering about which animal is smarter and by this point i had just had enough I was like, guess what, guys? A pig would be smarter than them both, according to testing. So Very, very true. And uh, I just a- ended up wishing that the episode, uh, or rather that uh, Pal and Nemo had stayed friends in uh, in light of episodes to come much later. So stay tuned for that, kids, and don't get too attached to your new favorite tag team, Pal and Nemo. Uh, all right, so from dummies to animals, let's go back to Arth- uh, Arthur's dummy disaster. What do you think of George's debut episode here? Uh, I think it was a long time coming. Uh, I know a little bit of extra information about how George is sort of represented on later on in the series, so I was excited for him to become a little bit more of a character. Uh, I think the dummy gimmick is really interesting. It doesn't really let us get a great picture of who George is because he's sort of being Wally for so much of the episode. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Wally character is fun. The jokes are hilarious, especially when he's, like, eating the pudding and making Buster laugh through his nose. And I think the lesson's great. I love the way they set up George being an introvert and sort of everybody remember George, remembering George is always there but never sort of paying attention to him. Um, and I think the Mr. Rappard segment near the end is a really good suspenseful moment where everybody's like sort of holding their breath. Uh, the only criticism I have at the episode is they use once again the device of someone's outside the school and Arthur has to walk out and sort of talk them into going back into the school. And I kind of got unfocused there and uh, stopped paying attention just because I'd seen it so many times. But besides that, I, I really did enjoy the episode. So I appreciate more with this episode did more than kind of what it was. And I think the biggest success was establishing the character of George. Uh, I think it's because I relate to uh, the person that George is. Uh, very quiet, very uh, uh, introverted, like you said. I think you made some great points uh, during our talk about the episode, Lucas, and kind of using coping mechanisms to help himself kind of get out of his shell a little bit. And it struck a chord with me, and I felt that I could really relate to uh, who he was. And as that, I felt that George was immediately a much stronger character. And it was also very heartwarming to have the kids be open to being friends with George. Like, they didn't think that he was weird or anything. They just admitted they didn't know a lot about him and would like to be friends with him, which was very nice. I mean, it would be easy, especially in real life, for kids to just dismiss the quiet, awkward kid as just weird and not talk to him. But they do seem to want to uh, connect with him once they essentially discover him the rest of the episode i thought was okay i i liked i liked wally uh pretty well especially in terms of the animation but you know he does kind of get on your nerves which he's supposed to and like i said before i felt the episode kind of ground to a halt in the middle with the talk about the with the segments about the puppets and the focus on everybody else so uh it wasn't structured in uh, the way i would have liked it to be but a great start for george and i'm really looking forward to, to him being more part of the show at large um, Francine and the feline. So, again, we kind of the success of this episode is at least kind of establishing a pet character for Francine. And I actually thought that the the parts where she was interacting with Nemo were pretty cute. I liked the dynamic more of uh, the struggle between Francine and Catherine. 
of whose cat it is. And I almost th- feel like that should have been the episode instead because the other conflict of the episode I thought was actually pretty bad. Like Arthur being this like secret cat hater that we now have to establish in 11 minutes is really dubious. And I thought all just made him look like a completely unsympathetic. And, uh, and again, once again, not much of an animal person, but I don't hate cats. I don't hate dogs or anything like that. It's just, there's no real reason for him to be this way, but they kept having to propagate him like this to be, uh, you know, to be this really reprehensible person, or at least have this reprehensible view. It almost felt like, and I don't think this is what they were going for, but it almost felt like they were trying to do an allegory for like, uh, not uh, for like prejudice, like not letting your own internal biases get in the way of like making new friends or relationships, but that didn't really work either. So I don't want to, I don't want to ding them for that, but either way, it was just kind of, I I was not very interested in this episode and I've, in terms of the debate of cats versus dogs, like I have no, I have no time for it. So it didn't do much for me at all. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth when you said that you would have preferred the episode be about the struggle between Catherine and Francine and sort of them being introduced to the new cat. Like, that's this episode's strong suit. It would have been much better suited as an episode uh, with, one, um, them sort of deciding, like, oh, like, whose cat is this really? Like, how are we going to treat this cat? Is it going to be all girly or is it going to be sort of rambunctious? And then, two, I would have liked to have seen an episode about them sort of similar to the— maybe this is already Tread Water because we did it with Arthur, but Tread Ground, excuse me. Um, but an episode about them, you know, learning the responsibilities of taking care of a cat and what that entails. Because uh, that's something that's almost wholly missing from this episode. Instead, you're right, we get this bizarre— conflict with Arthur sort of being anti-cat that the worst part of all is it doesn't really have a conclusion. Like, he laughs when uh, Nemo's licking his ears at the very end of the episode and then goes immediately back to arguing about which animal is smarter. So it doesn't really have, like, Arthur doesn't, like, he gets over his weird anti-cat stance just enough to let Nemo play with Pow and hang out, but he's still, like, set in his ways. It's, I, I wrote down that it's like a really weird ending to the episode. Like, they get so close to having a conclusion with, okay, here's this action of the the your dog kidnapped my cat, your cat kidnapped my dog, they're both running away, and I'm like, this is obviously going to come to a head and we're all going to get along in the end. But they come just short of that and Arthur is still set in his ways at the end of the episode. I thought it was just kind of bizarre. Bizarre is a good word for it. And, uh, I mean, thankfully, I, I'm looking forward to hopefully better episodes with Nemo as a character later on. That's true. I can, I have nothing but positive things to say about Nino. Uh, Nemo. Excuse me. I love the way he's drawn. I love his color palette. Uh, I love the way the cat's animated. The characterization of the cat's really fun. I'm excited to see more of Nemo. Uh, just not excited to see more of anti-cat Arthur. Yeah, as long as that kind of stays out of it. All right, so a little bit of a mixed bag this week. They can't uh, all be winners, but certainly don't regret my time watching an episode of Arthur and talking about it. Uh, so what did you think? We would love to know. Um, well, there are plenty of ways to get in touch with Elwood City Limits, and we certainly hope that you do. Uh, you can get in touch with us over on social media, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Got some new anonymous asks this week, not even specifically about Arthur. Uh, One of our anons asked us uh, if we liked the the episode of SpongeBob called Band Geeks, which I I proudly said. Me too. And I was able to proudly say that as well. So uh, love that episode. If you want to ask us pretty much anything, uh, in relating to Arthur or not relating to Arthur, you can do that. A direct, great direct way to do that is ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Uh, you can hear the episode the way you heard it, whether that's ElwoodCityLimits.Libsyn.com. Maybe you found us through Google Play or if you found us through Apple Podcasts. Thank you for the five-star reviews over there. Rate and review so that more people can find our great Arthur podcast and we can make some friends along the way. And finally, uh, I did a new bumper for the start of the episode, but we've uh, got uh, some Patreon supporters. We want to thank you very much for the money that you've put to to saying thank you uh, to us for the show. And we want to say thank you for your support, our loyal Patreon subscribers. 
You can go to patreon.com slash Limits if you want to kick us any amount of money to say thank you and to have your name on the show. We're also a part of the Atlantic Podcast uh, Registry. There's a list out there of uh, podcasts made from where we're from, Atlantic Canada, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and uh, Newfoundland, I think, maybe even some in PEI. Uh, and we're, it's, it's a list of like 50 years. We're the 50th show to be added to the, the list. There's some other pretty famous ones in there, sick boys and, and what have you. So you can check us out on the Atlantic podcast network as well. That's podcastatlantic.com. Thank you for reminding me, Lucas. Uh, all right. Next time we are marching closer and closer to the end of season three. This oh my s- goodness. It's like, I hardly knew it this- just like April leaving so quickly. I can't believe we're almost halfway through April or over halfway through April. Uh, season three of Arthur. It's gone just after I met it. That's right. Uh, we've got two more episodes to go next week. It's, we're going to be talking about mom and dad have a great big fight along with DW's perfect wish. Oh my gosh. I wonder what mom and dad have a great big fight is about. Well, I know what it is, but I'm not telling you. I'm going to leave you in suspense, leave you wondering until we get together next time. And as soon as we're done recording here, I'm going to blow my nose. I've had to do so for the past like half hour. If you can't hear, if you couldn't hear me sniffling in the background, and apologies if you hate the sound of sniffling. Uh, all right. So if you're suffering from seasonal allergies, I hope yours get better, as I hope mine do as well. Uh, my name is Will Young for Elwood City Limits and for Lucas Mancini. It's like an Edgar Allan Poe cat. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Have a great week. It's even black, mostly.